I just realized um, I don't think my mic is set up properly. So this, give, yeah, I know. Give me a second. Hold on. This is a great way to start. I mean, it sounds good. Does yeah. it? Okay, you, cool. Just kick we're it good. to us about something. And then, you know, while we're talking, you can play with your mic. We're good. Okay. Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> Josh, how was your vacation? Good. Relaxing. Uh, Myrtle Beach. Just kind of hung out at the beach. Didn't really do much swimming okay i did zero swimming uh i i got about ankle deep into the water uh of the beach and i was like i'm good now nah, i'm just gonna hang out I here read same. a book yeah yeah uh mostly hung out on the balcony because it was facing the beach so i'm like this is the same as being out there only <laughs> no direct sunlight so that's nice <laughs> what was the book um i am currently reading book four of Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive. And each one of these books is freaking massive. Uh, Rhythm of War is the book I'm on. So trying to get through that thing. I got about halfway through it during vacation. So nice. No, I like your I like your beach plan. Like, you know, you go to the beach, but you don't touch you don't really go near the sand or direct sunlight or the water. Like I like that. That's <laughs> yeah, Liz is bragging in the comments that she finished. 4.5 books. Uh, Wait, they were not as you, big say, as my finish, book. I'm just saying. How do you finish 4.5 <laughs> books? That's insane. <laughs> she was much more diligent about reading on this vacation. I found myself, I I think I might have talked about it on this podcast before, but I have this weird obsession about this old sitcom called Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. I love that show. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. And a friend of mine put it onto the Plex server because we can't find it digitally anywhere right now. Uh, and I watched about two seasons of that show nice. on vacation. <laughs> and we're all sharing a, a you know a condo, so it was like in the morning I'd wake up, I'd turn it on, and like my stepbrother would come out, and he'd be like, "Oh, okay, again, cool." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that was that the was my well. Obsession. I don't know if that was Ryan Reynolds' official start, but he had some other stuff before that. But this was like an ongoing role. Yeah, and yeah, it's where I actually learned about like first time I ever seen him in it. So then when he did Van Wilder and that kind of stuff, I was like, yeah. that's not my kind of comedy. But this is the guy that I watched, you know, four seasons of and this other sitcom I really liked. So I gave him a pass for those. And then Liz is always confused why I like Ryan Reynolds because like. She thinks of him as Van Wilder. It's like, mm. no, I think of him as two guys girl in a pizza place and like that kind of comedy style. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. That's that's the original that I think of. And then he sort of went off and just did a whole bunch of other stuff. And now he's just he's now he's Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. yeah, he's just Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. Kev, what's going on? I I can't hold a candle to any of your updates, either of your updates. So let's just pass again on me. Let's just move. <laughs> okay. Um yeah, I was, uh, well, obviously neither Josh or I were here last week. I was in Iceland um, with the fam, which was pretty crazy. Um, stayed up and watched the Cincy game, though. We were debating, like, will you or won't you? Um, the whole, like, jet lag thing just totally screwed with me, and it was still screwing with me coming back until pretty much this morning. But, like, the first day we got there, I probably slept in, like, 20-minute increments on the plane. It was, like, a six-and-a-half-hour flight. And then we landed at like 630 in the morning. So we were like, well, if you're going to beat jet lag, you got to stay up all day. And so I, I basically made it until like 630 at night. And then I slept for 12 hours straight. 
Um, but it just, yeah. Um, and, and I, I posted a picture during the Cincy game at midnight and it looked like daytime because <laughs> they just have 24 hour sun right now, um, uh, which is kind of crazy. That's really trippy. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully we had like blackout curtains for our room. They, they tell you like take wear like sleep masks and stuff. And I don't think any of us actually had to use the sleep mask cause we had like the blackout curtains, but it is weird. Like your body's like, it's time to go to bed, but you look outside and you're like, no, it's not. And it just, it messes with you. So, um, let me, were things open later no. than usual? No. Well, okay. so there, there's a lot of like waterfalls and like natural attractions that, as long as it's light out, you just go up to them. It's not a big deal. Right. But they are, um, they're known for actually having just shorter hours overall. One of the cool things was like all of the grocery stores has like, like posted really big, had their name on them. And then right beneath it has their hours like massive. So it would be like 10 to, you know, 20. And so you're like, Oh, okay, cool. You're open from 10 until what? Eight, uh, 10, um, or eight. Yeah. I can't do math. Um, but yeah, no, like stores and stuff weren't open any later. And there were a lot of things that like, just, you'd be like, oh, we'll just go here. And it's like, nope, they already closed at like four. And you're like, all right, well, yeah, you know, whatever. Um, but it was awesome. Kev, you would enjoy it. Uh, downtown Reykjavik, which is their capital, is it feels like a European Asheville kind of thing. Like lots of really small cafes and shops. And um, it's very artsy, uh, but really easily walkable. Um, we went all over the place. Um, yeah, it was really, really cool. I, I highly recommend it for anybody. The, the pictures and videos will never do it justice. It's like anything where you're like, Oh, I'll get a picture of that. And then it's like, no, oh, it's too fine. It's too fine. Um, I noticed, I saw, I noticed a little bit of that. We went to Wyoming a couple years ago and yeah, you like stand in the vastness of the plains and you're like, man, this is like powerful. It feels like amazing. And then you put a frame around it and you're like, oh, it's just like a few strip of land with sky. That's not, you know, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, we did. We did a a, a whale and puffin tour. Um, my wife has become obsessed with puffins. And the cool thing was, well, first of all, we were in like this little boat. It was like a really like almost like a raft. And they were like, oh, you know, everybody just sort of fill in. And I was the last one to get on the boat. And the only free spot was right up front. And these boats, they don't have like seatbelts. They have you would sit in the seat and the seat in front of you had handlebars on the, on the side of it. And you would just hold on. Cause they would go really <laughs> fast. I had nothing like they had like a, a like a handlebar, like fastened <laughs> to the front of the boat. So I'm like holding on to this thing. No joke. There were, there were multiple moments where my entire body was in the air. Cause we had hit a wave and just like shot through it. Um, but while we were out there, um, Kev, I don't know if you watched the video, there was a solid 10 to 15 minutes. There was a pot of dolphins that found us. Wow. And like just wanted to play. So like literally because I was at the front of the boat, I just like held the camera out over the side and you just see them swimming underneath and then they would like jump up and out and it was nuts. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Fun. The photos and videos looked amazing. Yeah. It looked like an awesome trip. That's cool. Uh, the, happy that you had a good time. Yeah. I, I don't know if we'll ever go back. I think it was, I think it's something that's worth seeing, but like now there's like other stuff to see and do. And it was cool. They, they, um, like we drove all over the place and we probably passed four or five like local soccer clubs. Like they all had their own like indoor facilities and massive logos. And they were actually in the process of 
basically their version of the U.S. Open Cup to like qualify for Euros. So you had all of these teams traveling and I mean, all the teams are like 15 minutes away because there's nothing else there. And I tried to explain that to my wife. I was like, you know, here we have to go travel to play Monterey Bay, which is like you get on a plane and fly across <laughs> the country. She, because of course, while we were there, the news broke about Messi going to Miami as well. And she's yeah. like, do you think he'll do great? And I said, well, one of the big things that when these superstars come over, they have to deal with is all of this travel and all of like the different climates and things that they just don't experience in Europe. And it typically has more of a toll on them than you would think. So um, yeah, that was cool. But um, did you like, I, I can't remember, did you like touch glaciers and no. So we stayed uh, pretty much on the Western side of the country, the, the Southwestern side of the country. So at that point, we could see a few snow-capped mountains and we climbed one mountain to see the volcano and there wasn't any snow up there, although it was cold. If we had gone further east, like I have a buddy at work who, um, they have a, a section of Iceland called the Ring Road that basically just goes around the entire exterior of the country. He'll see uh, icebergs and stuff. Um, I did see as we were flying over Greenland, which is like solid ice, it was nothing but just like mountains and icebergs floating and you were able to see them pretty clearly from the plane. So that was cool. Um, but they did have, they had a museum uh, where they actually built an ice cave in the museum. Like it's just a giant cooler and they simulated different ice caves that they have. So we walked through there and, and check that out. We also couldn't see the, the Northern lights, which is like the other big thing to do because it's 24 hours of sunlight. Yeah. So we missed that. Um, but yeah, lots of fun. Highly recommend. The people were great. Food was great. I love driving with kilometers now and roundabouts like <laughs> so much better than like miles and straightaways. And why is kilometers better? I, the way that they sort of do the road signs were so much better in terms of understanding what's going on. Like here you'll, you'll have a sign where it's like you're doing 45 and then it's like speed limit up, speed limit up ahead is 35. And then you see like nothing. And there it's like 90 and then like, you know, a little bit further, it'll say 70 and then a little bit further, it'll say 50. And like, you just sort of like work your, there's no guessing like, well, wait, when does it start? When does it not start? And you know how um, we'll have the road signs where if you're supposed to be doing say 45, you'll have a uh, like an actual digital sign that tells you your speed. So it'll just be like, you're doing 65 or you're doing 40. That's all. It just tells you the speed there. It'll tell you your speed. But if you're going the right speed, they take the number away and just put a smiley face, like a green smiley face. <laughs> I've heard about that actually. Yeah. yeah, they actually say like, and they did. Yeah, did you see a frowny face ever? Yes, there okay, was. Yeah. There were some that didn't have the frowny face, but they yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. whole study that like that actually makes people slow down more than yes. showing their speed because you see your speed and it's almost kind of like a game to you. You're like, yes, oh. I'm can I make that go up higher? Like, yeah. but you see a frowning face, like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I said to my wife, like, I'd, I'd be approaching the sign, and I'm like, no, I want the smiley face. Like, I'm yeah. gonna slow down enough so I get the smiley face. Yeah, um, that's funny. Yeah, it was really, really cool. But anyway, yeah, stayed up and uh, watched the Cincy game. Um, actually, before we do that, Josh, crack the drink. Oh yeah, we yeah. did have a victory. We had a loss and we had a victory. We're gonna talk about the loss first, but. Let's get that drink going because we might need it through the Cincy game. Um, Hounds lost three to one to Cincy. The magical Open Cup run is over. Um, lots to talk about in this one. I don't know how much we want to, you know, reopen that wound. 
Um, I think the the big discussion was the goal. I, I think we all knew going into this game that just like the other two games, if the Hounds were going to win this, it wasn't going to be a, a back and forth battle. We just can't compete at that level with those types of players. And so the first goal was always going to be the biggest one. And essentially we held on um, for quite a while. Uh, we had a few chances. They took out Dequa. Um, still, we're still waiting to hear back just how long of an injury he's going to be out for. And so at that point, it's like, okay, you know, you're, you're deflated, but it's like, can we hold on? Can we do something? And then basically since his first goal was a double offsides where, uh, you know, they basically played the ball to one player who was offside, who then touched it to another player who was offside, who then scored. And the uh, and the refs let it stand. Rumor has it afterwards, uh, when the Hounds were protesting it, um, one of the re- the 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 main ref said to the sideline ref, or no no, no I'm sorry, the other way around. The sideline ref said to the main ref, "Did the first guy touch the ball? Because if he did, it's offsides. If he didn't, it's not offsides." And the center judge said, "No, he did not touch the ball." So then they said it was no offsides. Um, and this was this was feedback from one of the players who relayed this to a particular member of the Steel Army. Um, so, but oh, I, well, I mean, even that's wrong, right? I mean, because the like the the guy who eventually receives the ball, they're both offsides. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, so. it shouldn't have mattered either way who touched the ball, when touched the ball. It was the fact that they were both offside when either one of them touched the ball. So yeah, it was a BS, you know, goal. But at the same time. It is what it is. I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time feeling deflated about this game. Like this, <laughs> this is the farthest we've ever been in the Open Cup, and it is well since what I think it was 2001 or 2002 or something like that. Yeah. And it, I don't know. Like this was as expected. Like this is yeah. what people would have expected against Columbus, but uh, we'll always have Columbus. <laughs> Put it on a shirt. Yeah, <laughs> Steve just uh, commented in chat that apparently for Dequa it's a clavicle fracture and apparently surgery. So we'll Ooh. see. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've heard everything up to like four weeks of recovery to like, I don't know, like I imagine four weeks of recovery before he's even allowed to practice with the team. And then after that, we'll see how his fitness is and what Lily thinks. But. Yeah, so we we probably won't see Dequa for at least a month. Yeah, I think my 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 bigger frustration with the game, and I I should be old and wise enough to just accept this, but social media is a total crap show, and uh, and there was a certain level of entitlement amongst the Cincy fans that I had completely forgotten about. It's always been there. <laughs> it's been there since they were in the USL. The players and the fans of just we we deserve to win we deserve to be here at all costs and you know sensible guys who uh who are on like the Cincy soccer talk that we used to like do a lot of stuff with you know their argument as to why they should have won was because Biasi tackled a player and that should have been a straight red and it's like in every other league in the world that is a yellow like that's that's a, it's called a professional yellow I don't like it, but that's what the rule is. I love it. When he did it, I was was upset that um, Biasi, he seemed to like, I love Biasi. Do not read into this. But he seemed to almost cower a little bit 
when the since he like captain came after him a little angry like no freaking stand up like like yeah i know what i did and i did it on purpose and you're not gonna intimidate you, me five foot nothing person like yeah no it's so <laughs> i i loved it i thought it was great and it's like if you want to go that route like literally took out two of our best players in this right. game like i remember us talking before about uh the open cup and how uh always worried about you know big players getting taken down by players who are not as experienced in the lower leagues. And like you, you're worried about injuries and how, you know, MLS clubs have to kind of keep an eye out for that. Literally it was the other way around for this one. He, yep. Since he took out two of our players, Robbie uh, mm-hmm. got taken out. And when he got taken out, like it was a situation where I'm thinking, Oh, hopefully it's just a little injury, but we see in the next game that he comes in for like eight minutes and gets taken out again. So like, that's, probably not a good sign yeah 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 and you know again it's it's when that's your argument it's like oh he like tackled the guy and it's like yeah you also had two players that were offsides and then the other argument came back was like well we have these players and you just can't compete with them that's the point you're in mls like yes it's just except that you were supposed to win this game and be gracious about it but instead it's you know they just want to stomp a lower league team and whatever. I don't care. I'm, I'm over it. I'm past it. <laughs> the, the one positive was that Tola did get his first goal of the season. Yes. Now he's rolling, baby. He followed it up with a second this week. So fingers crossed that, you know, the good times just keep on rolling. Um, I think the key with him, he just like, just don't like try not to shoot. Just, just like, you know, dribble it in and then you're yeah. good. Right. Like, so <laughs> he figured it out. We're good. Yeah. I don't, my, my, I don't know. My, my take on the whole sense of game. I don't know. I, like, I don't, Mike, I get the sense that you probably have to, because you manage like the Mongols Twitter account, like you're forced to almost interact with the Cincy fan base probably more than I am because I don't need to do that. Um, and even just how the players, the Cincy players kind of interacted and throughout the game. I have maybe a slightly different take than than you. In a way, I kind of wouldn't have it any other way. Like, I don't, like, I don't know. Like, this, this I don't I don't think this is the pure 100% motivation about how the Cincy players acted and how the Cincy fan base kind of, you know, takes this game. But on a certain level, you know, you react and act this way against teams and clubs who maybe like not that they view us as a threat, but as like a team that's not like, you know, a high school team playing a bunch of five-year-olds don't do this, right? Like a high school team playing a good middle school team might do this, right? Because they're a good middle school like team or whatever. And like, so on some level, it's, I don't, you know, don't treat us any other way because, yeah, we're good. We back ourselves. We believe in our club. We believe in our players. And we we want to go to toe-to-toe with you. We understand the context of this tournament. We understand we're in the USL. We understand you're in the MLS. We understand the context of this game. But the point of it is we're, we want to be uh, accepted on this field as equals. And so treat us as equals and treat us with like the same hatred and vitriol as you would with any other MLS team. So I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever. Like I, like I'm not like, there's no logic. Like we're not going to become friends with Cincy like brands, you know, or, or at least the, the core like narrative of a lot of this stuff. And that's, I don't know, to me, that's fine. I think part of my, part of my, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what the word is, but 
you know, even when we come out, their their second goal was amazing. Like literally the corner kick yeah. and the, there was no volley. The guy literally just smacks it out of the air of the top corner. And so even when you're like, look, that goal was fantastic. You know, can we just agree that your guys were offsides? And they're like, shut up, go home, you suck. And it's like. Yeah, okay, but wait, when you said cool. that, wait, that, that was like Twitter comments, right? Yes. Yeah, they're like, just winding you up. Like, I, I, know. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, these are people that are sensible I will, I will dare call them soccer journalists. And I just have, you know, I think, I think my biggest issue is me having more respect for certain people and their approach and them disappointing me. I think that's what it is. And that's why I was just shut like I'm done. I'm over. <laughs> uh, we don't have to think about Cincy for another year. I hope they fall into the river. Um, <laughs> but the good news was that, seeing that Birmingham also lost in the open cup uh, and that we beat more MLS teams. The hounds are technically the team that made it through the open cup, the longest from the USL. And therefore we get 25,000 um, as sort of prize money. So um, who knows how that'll be spent, but kudos to the team for getting that. That's something they haven't gotten previous years. So good like, stuff. Th this this has a huge effect, not the 25k, but like the run they went on. Yeah, the win in Columbus. We talked about like money wise, I'm not sure how much they actually made from that Columbus game because there were so many like you know 25k for hosting fees, and then you have to pay a percentage on top of your uh sales. So, like, they probably didn't make a whole bunch of money from the Columbus game, but like between the 25k here, the that little bit of money they made there, and then more importantly, though, like just the recognition around the city, like yeah. the hype around the team, the just the motivation for the club itself, for the players, for, you know, going this deep of a run, this is going to be a huge deal. Like this game or the open cup was a big deal for this club this year. And that's all you can ask for. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I know. I, I just want to second that really quickly. I mean, I don't, I, I have very, little negative feeling about the whole open cup experience. It's only positive. I mean, I mean, to, to have the memories we had in Columbus, to have the memories we had against new England, um, you know, this team outperformed, I, you know, I don't want to just say gold star cause you got this far. Cause once again, we're in every competition to win it and we don't want to try to like pretend like we're not upset. Of course we are. Um, but I mean, the players played really well. That's the other thing, too. It's not like we went into Cincy and played like horribly right. and lost 5 0. I thought, I thought they played really well. Um, they get a goal. You know, it's not a shutout. And I thought it was a really good performance against hard lines that, you know, probably sh it, sh it shouldn't have gone against us in the way it did. Um, so, no, I mean, it, yeah, the, the players did incredible. And uh, yeah, it's, it, was, it was a good open cup run. Agreed. So, the, you know, we follow up that game um, with the battery coming to town, number one team in the East. Um, this was sort of a top two showdown. I think some people were concerned that uh, after losing, there might be a little bit of a letdown, but that was not the case at all. It was another sold out crowd. Um, you know, the Hounds get the fastest goal in, in, in Hounds history. It was the fastest goal in the USL this season. And of all people, it was Junior Etu who put it away. If you if we said, like, you know, the Hounds are going to score the fastest goal in the USL uh, this season, you wouldn't say that it was Junior Etu that you thought it was going to score it. I mean, you would 
put money on Dequa or Kizza or <laughs> or maybe you know Griffin or Mertz. But uh, yeah, Kev, what were your thoughts? You gave a little fist bump there. I don't know if you saw the interview that he did with Steve afterwards. Yeah, I did. Dude, dude yeah, yeah. was full passion. Like, yeah, it was good. No, stuff. I mean, it's just it, no. I, I mean, yeah, the goal was great. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll linger on the goal for a second. I counted when that ball goes in. We have five players in the box. Yeah, like that's you know we have five. We have ten outfield players if you exclude Jamali White. You know, and half of them were in the box when Kenny cuts that back. So. Yeah, no, I mean, that's 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 how you score goals, especially in the absence of your, you know, star striker of the season. You 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 intelligently commit men forward and uh, and try to flood the box with numbers and create chances where you can. And uh, so in that sense, it didn't it doesn't particularly surprise me that it was that, too, because, you know, we we committed people and and some you know the ball is going to find someone it happened to found at two. So it was I think it's a better finish than what it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, to to kind of open your hips up and kind of hit it like you know the ball's coming in from his right to hit it with his left foot into the left side of the net. That's not easy, and you know it's very easy to kind of overshoot that and put it wide. Um, so it was good finish, and uh, it was I thought it was just a good performance. I mean, you know, I it I think we kind of we we get pushed over the top by being at home and being so dominant at Highmark this season. Um, but the, I mean. Charleston are a very good team and and you know a 2-0 scoreline scoring scoring a goal in in 22 seconds and and getting showing me you know a second goal uh, it's it was a very very good performance huge win you know not only for morale to bounce back after Cincy in the way that we lost that game in the way that we went out of the cup but to put us up you know first in the east continue the unbeaten uh, high mark run and just to, to kind of show our dominance in the absence of Dequa. It was huge. It was a big game. This like speaking of the absence uh Dequa, like this is what was worrying me going into this game, thinking about Dequa not gonna be there, worried about Mertz not being able to the play, and having trust in the other players, basically, like just like kind of like players that don't always start in in wondering if they could get it done and this was a it was a choppy game i will say that like i never felt like the first half was pretty good but like the second half i kind of felt like the game never really settled and it definitely felt uh scary there for a while (laughs) um and i am still a little bit worried because we're we're also not gonna have jamali waits going forward for a little while because of international duties so it is going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. But I'm a lot more confident in this team, even without those players, after this performance. Yeah, no, for sure. And it, it, I, I think it was exactly what I expected of sort of the number one team at the East at, the, at that time, you know, coming into Highmark. They, they weren't just going to roll over, especially after a goal, you know, 22 seconds in. That was kind of the case. Lily said afterwards that like you you can't even put that in the bank. Like that happens so early. Like you can't rely on that for anything. That's not that's nothing. And so you really have to go out. I mean, and, it's a goal. <laughs> it's a goal, but like you're not going to then bunker from the 22 of second mark not. on. Yeah. You've got to play. And and if anything, the battery going to come at it harder to try to, to get that one back. So, um, I mean, yeah. I'd say that's an advantage for us, though. I mean, it exposes them a little bit. I don't know. 
I get I get what Bob's saying. The way, you know, yeah, the way that we play, for sure. You want to open them up. You want to stretch the field a little bit. And that's, I mean, Tola's chance came from just sort of slip him in, bet- in behind. And, and he got a nice little run on the ball. So, um, yeah. No, I, agreed. I, I thought the goals, I mean, like, so so Etsu's goal, I, I, you could make it a candidate for one of the best team goals we've scored all season. Um, the way we work it, the way how Kizza drops and exchanges kind of with Kenny and the movement off the ball and just the, the, the kind of running towards, it was a really, really, really good team goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and showing me his goal. Yeah. I mean, I think if you, if you put yourself in the position to score what looks like simple goals, I think that's huge because that means you're, you're kind of systematizing your buildup play where players know where they need to be in certain situations and the player on the ball knows where his teammates are and kind of it makes it look simple. So even though in the end it's showing me running off the shoulder of their last defender and a well-timed through ball, um, you know, I think that's the product of a lot of kind of, you know, knowing each other and working on kind of build up play. And yeah, in the end it looks simple, but I mean, those are the, I think those are the those are the goals that kind of you have to put in the most effort in, on the training ground to to kind of get to that point where you can score what looks to be simple goals. Yeah, I the in the sort of final thoughts um, after the game, I tweeted out. I originally had written down uh, tactically clinical, but then I flipped it and said clinically tactical because I feel like that's that's what this team is now. You you sort of look back at all the highlights and everybody knows where they're supposed to be. Everyone's pulling for each other. They're they're sort of dropping in and out of formations and movement and just everybody sort of seems to know what they're supposed to do to the point that you know, there was a moment, uh, uh, you know, even just a few weeks ago where we were like, well, Deke was just going to score all of our goals. That's, I mean, is that okay? Like, that's probably okay if he's just going to keep doing it. And then you lose him and you still win 2 nothing against the best team in the East. So... Yeah, it's not easy to do. No, 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 no. Um, and so, yeah, it's... it's a Mike, I don't know the difference between tactically clinical and clinically tactical. <laughs> so if you're... <laughs> Let's see now. Should we break this down? Um, tactically clinical, I think, means more that you are just like uber clinical. Like you you sort of, you pick your spots and you really go at those spots. Whereas if you're clinically tactical, it means you're like super focused on tactics and getting the tactics right. So I think okay. it's more the latter than the first. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Humor me. Just go with it. It's fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, another packed house, Josh, you know, what was the, it just seems like every week we're just selling out. Yeah. I mean, another great atmosphere packed house. It's, it's, I don't know. Just enjoy this moment guys. Like, like (laughs) especially, you know, everyone going to the games, like this is, this is great. And just ride this high. Um, summer of hounds is uh working out far better than i ever mm-hmm. expected um obviously it helps that we're on this huge winning streak uh especially in league play but like even winning i don't think that's really why it's packed house like i feel like there's a lot of work like it helps it helps a lot but there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes right now with the front office and like what they're being able to pull off and uh they had a blanket giveaway for this game and holy crap uh i never thought 
it would be that big of a deal for people. But like they only had 500 blankets mm. and the line to get in before the gates opened was huge. Like I never seen people line up to get in like before the gates open. People cared about getting this blanket. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to going to be honest. I'm a little bit worried now for the bobblehead, the ammo bobblehead and the uh, stadium like the, replica. The, yeah, the stadium replica. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz I am I'm, I'm definitely going to need both those. And that means I'm going to have to like I maybe I'm going to cut tailgate short. Maybe I say, you might want to in line. Like call, call your buddy Jeff and just be like, "Can you set a few aside no, for me?" No, it's not happening. It's not happening. So, like I I got a feeling like maybe Steel Army does Thunderstruck while waiting in line for the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be crazy. But yeah, th- th- those marketing tactics and that kind of stuff and like the giveaways not the giveaways but the you know the things they're doing are just hitting right and yeah. it's it's great to see it's kind of like finally we're seeing it kind of go down's way i mean would you get i mean i would guess average attendance for a seat the season so far mid five thousands i don't know well i mean technically the stadium holds five thousand there's like so 5, there you go seats. i just eat I like just feel can, like I keep do standing room 6, stuff. Yes. Yeah. 6,000 was the Columbus game. And that's yeah. the highest we've ever had. That's the biggest right. attendance we've ever had. Um, so I I would say, because a couple games at the beginning of the season, I got a feeling the games at the end of the season, because how cold it's going to be, it's going right. to knock our numbers down. I But still. like I, I, I was thinking that early season, and that wasn't the case. So, I mean, if the Hounds yeah. go on a run... You never yeah. know, man. I... Steve pointed out that only the home opener was less than 5K this year so far. So yeah. it's it's looking good. It's looking good. That's yeah, crazy. That's... Yeah. I, I told my wife just the other day as we were sort of walking around, you know, I think the days of just assuming like, oh, the hounds are playing. We can just like roll up and go to a gate like that. Those days might slowly be fading away to where it's like, yeah, you kind of have to make sure you get your tickets a few weeks in advance and you know yeah. what you're doing or get season tickets and and we're already seeing that for the parking lot because the mm. the parking lot that Tuffy owns, uh, it they're doing pre-sales for those now. So like when you buy your ticket, you can buy parking. And this is the first year we've ever seen like you roll up to the parking lot. And if you didn't prepay for parking, you, they're not letting you in because they sold all the spots. Yeah. So it's just like crazy. You're like, oh, crap. I have to like plan ahead for parking now and do all this other stuff. So it's it's definitely a different ball game now. And it's uh, exciting to see. I would suggest taking pictures of the stadium while you're in there right now because it's not going to look the same next year. I, yeah. I I can't imagine they don't expand the stadium over the off season. I, I think the bigger question is is to what extent do they expand the stadium next year? Because if you're constantly selling out five to six, you know I, I think we had this conversation in in our Slack a little bit where, and this is this is really getting into the weeds, but um, the usl super league announced uh the first sort of slate of women's teams that are or women's teams that are going to be joining the super league and they start playing fall of 2024 so next fall and the hounds have been rather coy about whether or not they're going to have a women's team or not i know that that jeff has talked about it although president jeff garner has talked about it a little bit and then hasn't really committed to anything and um on social media when the news came out it was kind of coy of like well we're we'll wait and see kind of thing. And and my thought was if you have a women's team that starts playing in the fall of 2024 and women play fall to spring and then guys play spring to fall, if you're going to do any real sort of like major renovation of the stadium, 
you have no downtime to do that if, if you have games going all the time. So your time to do that is this offseason. So the yeah. question is, do you just tack on, you know, a thousand more seats in the corner or whatever it may be? Or do you sort of reassess and say, okay, you know, we know we might want to do this women's thing. We have ultimate Frisbee that we're also doing. We have rugby that's coming. We have all of these things. Do we take this as an opportunity to do like major reno and really put in three, four more thousand seats somehow while we don't have anything going on? And that gears us up for the next five to 10 years. Yeah. Um, like on one hand, uh, I, I get where you're coming from there. I would also just be worried about if you do that too much, then you kind of lose the atmosphere of the stadium because then you have a stadium that isn't that's too big for what right. you're doing. Um, but it's also really good to have that big of a stadium for other events that are required or even concerts, other, uh, you know, type of venues. Uh, but also Tuffy owns a construction company. You know what I mean? Like he, it, it, things we think are going to take forever for, you know, construction. Like he's, he's confident like, in himself. Drop like, everything for a week everywhere else yeah. and just put everybody at the stadium and knock it out. Yeah, Legit, legit. Uh, there's <laughs> been talks where he's like, yeah, yeah, I can get that done in two weeks. And like, that's a lot of construction to get done in two weeks. Like, yeah, it's fine. I'll get it done. So like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like we could totally well, see huge and I mean, changes the, pretty fast. The other concern in the past has been like, well, once preseason starts, the guy's got to be on the field. You have Montour now. Like yeah. you do all your preseason there. They could do this all spring. So true. Yeah, it, it'll be very interesting to sort of see the approach that they take to expand capacity. But I'm with you, Josh. I, they have to this offseason. Like there's... Hmm. Have to use a strong word, but it's definitely a, a I mean, thing that's already was on their radar yeah. that they already talked about doing. Like it, it was actually, I think, possibility that they did it this offseason, but they just weren't able to. So it's like, if they're already thinking for this offseason, there's no doubt in my mind that it's it's on the docket right away for this coming off season. But like how much, how much money do you think they're actually, I don't say turning away. I don't feel like they're turning anybody away right now, but when you're selling out every game, there's gotta be tickets that you could sell that you're not selling either. Cause people assume that it's a sellout. So they don't go or whatever it may be. And that's all lost revenue. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything else on this game, guys, before we get into there's a bunch of other news around the league and things, and I want to talk about standings and all of that. Um, we didn't really talk too much about it, but Mertz is uh, a scary factor for me right now with his injury and not knowing too much about how bad it is or if we should expect him to miss the next game, maybe just because the fact that he came in and then went right back out. Yeah, he was but, on. It was like eight minutes like yep. he was in and out. Um, yeah, that's no good. Do we have any uh, like knowledge around what type of injury it might be or no, Steve had mentioned in the Slack that I, he wasn't injured in the Cincy game. Maybe no, he was, he got his injury initially came from practice on a Monday before oh, the Cincy game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like he still was able to come in and it looked like he would be okay. Then obviously he wasn't. So he got taken out. Uh, so technically since he didn't injure Mertz during the game, but I'm still going to blame them because it's Cincy. Because it's Cincy. Yeah, he might as well. Um, yeah, that makes I'll, sense. Uh, um, okay, let's 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 create drama on the show because why not? Um, little hot take, maybe. You know, I could I I may make an argument that Mertz has like maybe underperformed this season. Um, I think I expected more output from him so far. I think he's looked 
busy and like had moments in during play where he's done some some great things. I think he has that goal early on in the season where what it's like a one touch like mm-hmm. great finish or whatever. Or, or no, he brings yeah. it down from like a long crossfield pass more Donias, and it's yeah. a it's a good finish. I mean, he, he fed then, the ball through to Dequa for the Columbus goal. Yeah, I, I'm like I'm going to disagree with you, thing. Kevin. Okay. I think he's actually looked really good this season. I think there's a lot of the uh, what are they calling it the the hockey assist where it's like the pass of the pass. Yeah. I feel like he is doing a lot of that type of stuff, and that might not be coming through on the stats but it's definitely his presence is, is fell on the field. I also feel like this is a situation where I think coming into this season, we were like, okay, like Mertz has to be the guy. And I think that the supporting cast around him is so elevated that he doesn't have to put the whole team on his shoulders to, for us to be doing well. There's enough other people that there's still times when he's taking set pieces that you're like, okay, good. Like Mertz is on the set piece or, you know, he's running into the corner and and keeping balls in. And I think it's just a different, I think we just need to change our expectation based on the way the rest of the team is around them at this point. See, but I can flip that on its head and say, okay, Mertz in a good team should, if anything, be producing more numbers than Mertz playing in a bad team. And I just and, and is, here's my this other is where argument. I think the system like, is, is Josh's point on like the hockey stuff, like the past before the pass. I would be more receptive to Mertz being that role if he was playing in a position like Ibarra or Etu or Zwetslut. But for me, Mertz, he's not exactly as high up the field as Griffin, but he's close. And if you're in, you know, if, if you're an attacking midfielder, then, you know, I don't know more often than not, I want you to see, I want you to be the pass before the goal. Not the Do you feel that way about Forbes? Yeah. On, in some ways, but I, I feel like in the absence of Dequa, especially of late um, and just, I mean, the buildup for the first goal, um, I, I think he's doing a little more that's closer to like goal opportunities than what Mertz is. And I think that's been okay. But yes, I think that's generally been my critique for Forbes over the majority of the season. Mm-hmm. And just recently there's, I think that's changed a little bit. I think it's a little harsh. I think I don't have Mertz's full stats in front of me, but when you have Dequa that has nine of our goals, um, and we're, you know, the number one team in the East. I think that if if Lily's always going to want a little bit more out of his players, but um, we're doing something right. And so I think this is more a case of the system being built a certain way and Mertz is sort of playing his role in that system and the system is being successful than it is Mertz needing to do it on his own or, or put up fantastic numbers. So, I mean, at least in the stats that I'm looking at right now um, for the USL, he has one goal and no assists officially. And mm. so like, mm. that's, it's not great. I don't buy that, but okay. I, I believe you. I believe you. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a Google search. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm not looking at USL's official website cause it takes forever to load. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, if it loads, if, if it loads. loads. Yeah, yeah. Um, well guys, after that win, Hounds are sitting number one in the East, 26 points. Uh, you know, at least the past five have been wins. You know, we also have uh, 
Um, <laughs> Kevin needs to go get a charger. Uh, we've got five wins in a row. Plus, you know, we have two wins over MLS teams. Um, so we, we sit nicely at the top of the table. Charleston are one point back now, um, but they have played uh, one more game than we have. So it's interesting that we're one point ahead, but we also sort of have that three-point swing on them, which is great. Tampa and Memphis are both sort of tearing up the East as well. Um, you know, Tampa's only two points back. Memphis are five points back, but have also won their last five as well. Interestingly enough, the USL put out their power rankings this week. And, you know, again, these don't mean anything, but they had Pittsburgh at five and they had Tampa and Memphis above us in terms of like power ranking. And I'm like, you, we literally have won every game in recent memory, including, you know, two against MLS teams. What makes you think that we're fifth in terms of power ranking? So I'm just overall bitter at everybody. Um, and, <laughs> and the USL does not, uh, they're, they're not absolved of that either um it looks good josh yeah. yeah yeah i mean not only does it look good but also if you look at the goal differential like charleston's goal differential is horrendous right now negative i know it's four yeah. yeah negative four and yet they were, were in first place that's just yeah. wild um but yeah and our goal differential is actually nine and that's like the tied. that's tied, tied for, for the best. best yeah in the east so that's that's a great thing to see so uh, between that and the fact that we're on this hot run right now and that it's it's a uh, been a pretty compact uh, schedule as of yeah. late. So it, it's it, I, granted it's going to be still for a while yet. Um, so it's, we're not going to get that much of a breather, but at least we only have Saturday games coming up for the next like five. So yeah, that's good. Um, granted, we have to travel, but it's yeah, I, no complaints here. Uh, I do think that it is kind of weird about the power rankings thing. Yeah. And I assume it's just based off of hype and stat or in yep. uh, individual player hype. Um, yep. And like I said, those don't matter. So who cares? No, now the, the one announcer during the battery game actually made a point of like, just unprovoked was like, I'll, he was like, I, I would not want to come here and play. Like if I was any other USL, I don't want to come to Highmark and play because the way that we're playing and the way that Highmark has become a fortress, good luck. So, um, you know, love to you, hear it. yeah, you, you reference sort of the upcoming schedule. Here's actually our next four games. Um, this weekend we had to play Oakland on the road, uh, which we'll talk about here in a second. Um, but your point Saturday games from there on out, we have San Diego that's coming to town. We have Louisville that's coming to town. And then we have Sacramento that's coming to town, which Sacramento are the only team at this point that have more points than we do. They're the league leaders in the West. So hopefully that stays true over the next three weeks and we can stay atop the East. And then it really becomes sort of a battle of the top teams at Highmark, um, which will be interesting because typically I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, Western team coming to play out East may not be familiar. Um, well, you know, they do have Cicerone and they do have, um, you know, a former golden glove keeper uh, that's uh, between the sticks for them as well. So there will be a lot of familiarity in Pittsburgh on that day, um, but it will be a good one. Guys, one of the other uh, uh, talking points that came out was that uh, Bob Lilly was named USL coach of the month. So I like, I, yeah, like I, there's of course, as it should be. 
Um, which I say this, like, it's just a given when, you know, this off season, I was probably leading the charge of like, is this his last year? <laughs> like, should he be? I might listen, my, my thing all off season was I would be happy to come on and say that I was wrong. And I think at least at this point was questioning a lot of the players that we were signing. I, I was wrong. Like I, he's gotten it right thus far. And, uh, and I think that, you know, the, the numbers show it. So kudos to him for taking home the, the coach of the month honors. Um, I, I feel like I don't really remember much talk about coach of the month before Lily got it. As far as like in the podcast or like my memory, is this like not a regular thing for Lily? Like, does he, has he not gotten it? Like, Mm-mm. I, I can't remember ever having it before, and that feels can't either. crazy to me that this yeah. would be like a big deal that he actually got it. So that's yeah, yeah it's wild. It's definitely something that, that's been happening for quite a while now, and it's just every month it's not been Lily, so we just haven't talked about it. Interesting. So, yeah. Sus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other news that came out today, uh, somewhat tangentially related, is that Jake Edwards, uh, the former CEO of usl and usl championship usl league one who left earlier this year is now the ceo of huddersfield town uh in the championship in england so you know it goes from sort of running the usl to running a championship team in england so best of luck to you mr edwards um uh, curious what, your guys opinion now is this like a step up do you feel like like running a whole organization that's not just a league but like multiple leagues Mm -hmm. but it's in america and it's lower leagues soccer it's not mls going from that to running a club in the championship feels like at best a lateral move to me but maybe i'm wrong maybe it is a huge deal i i would be curious what the pay difference is in this those Mm -hmm. two situations and if there is a huge pay difference why (laughs) but um yeah, just curious what you guys thought. Kev? I was trying to look up as you were saying there. I didn't I didn't make it in time. I mean, it's not too long ago that Huddersfield were in the Premier League and like I wanna say finishing like fourteenth or something and doing pretty well. I mean for the for their for their club. So Josh, I agree with your statement that at least right now. It feels like maybe at best a lateral move. But I wonder if Jake Edwards is looking at potential upsides and sees maybe the upside of being, you know, in the position that he's at at Huddersfield. Maybe there's more upside in that career path than the USL. I mean, I don't I don't know what you do. Let's let's say the USL stays at its current kind of like mind share in the U S and steadily grows fan base by 2% a year for the next 10 years and no pro rel gets initiated and nothing like that happens. I think in the long term, there's more upside going to somewhere like Huddersfield. Um, so that could be you, the way but, about it. Do you know what changes all of that? The world cup. Like the World Cup coming to America in a few years could change that that two percent equation. I Maybe. don't disagree with you. Maybe. I think I think what's interesting about this is they're two totally different jobs. Like same title, 
but running a league is yeah. very different from like running a club. Yeah. Um, you know, day-to-day responsibilities are drastically different. So I think if he was able to turn running the USL into running a club, which is what he always wanted to do. And in the next five to 10 years, we see Jake Edwards as a CEO of a premier league team. Like that's pretty crazy. Like good on you, man. Like to, to yeah. whether, he, whether it's with, you know, Huddersfield or it's, he, he turns that into a job somewhere else. Maybe he goes to Spain and, you know, as a CEO there and about like, that just seems to be what these guys do. Um, or the I Saudi league, you know, the Saudi <laughs> league. Yeah, right. If he wants money, I guess. If he wants money. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So no, I, I have no, no beef with, with Jake Edwards. Um, I don't think we've ever had, we never had Jake on the show. He was on the USL show a few times. Like I had yeah. lined that up um, for him to talk with those guys, but we never got him on here. Um, seemed like a good guy. Always, always willing to talk to the media. Um, yeah. I mean, we, there's lots of little things we can nitpick about, but for the most part, you look at his tenure here and the expansion of the league, the stability of the league, the addition of league one, you can't complain with what he did. The USL is largely what it is today because he was here. So. Do you guys know, like how long he was in the position that he was at. For... I'm not even sure. I mean, as far I don't want to say as far back as I can remember, but definitely most of that time. I, I want to say like five or six years, but I'm totally just making that up. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Kevin, you're looking up as we speak, but I will say. Anytime we talk about big guys <laughs> homework, uh, I will say, you know, with Jake Edwards, the biggest thing that I think all of US or USL fans are thinking is like, is his vision of what he wanted this league to be still going to be the vision yeah. for it with pro rel between the, you know, USL only and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I, it's a little bit off the topic of Huddersfield, but it's still, it's like, yeah. is is that still going to be the case? So quickly, the answer to that. So he first joined the USL in 2013 as the executive vice president before being named the president in 2015. That makes sense because I started following. So like he's been the president for eight years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Good on him. So yeah, that's some news there, guys. Latest on Pick'em, because we had two games this week. Uh-oh, Mikey got two scores right, and now he's in the top three. Kevin's still leading with 16. I was really ticked, Kev, when I saw that you picked this game to be 2 nothing. <laughs> I was like, I'm the only one that got it right. Like, I'm, it's over. And then I was like, of course, Kevin picked 2 nothing as well. Uh, Kevin's at the top with 16. Laura Ellen has 14. I have 13. But, of course, we can't win this thing so Devin pale is in pole position to win two free season tickets for the hounds next year with 12 points keith lehman good with 11 and michael finn with 11 um we have a whole bunch of people with 10 points right behind so this this feels like it's going to come down to the wire um but again it's not too late to play because literally i was off the board until this week and just happened to get two score predictions right and sort of jumped up in the third so um, if you're interested, make sure you head over, you follow us either on Twitter or YouTube. It, you don't have to be on Twitter if you don't want to be on Twitter. Um, but every before every single game, we put out a post where you just go and leave a comment with your score prediction. You get three points if you get the score dead right. One point if you pick the right result. So win, loss, draw, zero points. Otherwise, whoever has the most points at the end of the season, assuming that you're a, a Mongol supporter, $10 a year, 
you get two free season tickets to the Hounds next year, which the way they're playing could be one of the hottest tickets in town. Um, I gen- I don't think it's anything that like, you know, us us three at the top are like better at this than anyone else. I think it was just like we we like probably show up and answer every week. Like and so that like I'm guessing some other people further down. It's like ah crap, I forgot to put something in this week. We just make it. We just make a guess every. Week. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but you're you're, you're pretty much right. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about this upcoming game, guys. I mentioned already here. I'll throw the the schedule back up on the screen real quick. So we've got Oakland uh, this weekend. We travel to Oakland. The next three games are going to be at home. So Josh, your summer of hounds is in full swing. Uh, Oakland is currently fifth in the West. Then we play San Diego, who is fourth in the West. Then we play Louisville, who is fifth in the East. And then Sacramento is the last team. They are currently top in the league on 29 points to our 26 points. So this is going to be quite the stretch. Guys, I'm going to put you on the spot here before we talk about Oakland. Four games. I will set the over under at uh, uh, oh man. I was going to say eight points. That feels too low to me, but I'll set it at eight. <laughs> Josh, are you going to take the over or the under of eight points over these four games? I mean, Hounds at home seems like a sure thing at this point, but it's going to be Louisville and Sacramento. So, yeah. But Louisville's not that great this year, right? No, Louisville's had it's some Louisville. struggles. Yeah, they've, yeah, they're in fifth right now. Just oh, Yeah, I'll take the this over. Amazing. Sorry, I'm taking Josh, the over. No, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I'm taking the over. Kev, what are you taking? I I would have said eight points from these games uh, before you said anything. And if you're making me fall on either side of the fence, I'll take the under, actually. But yeah. Oof. I mean, I know you can't just keep winning forever. Like, that's that's a great mindset to have. But at some point, it does feel like we're going to drop points. I'll I'll take the over on this. Um, I think it'll be tight going into the Sacramento game. And then that that game is going to be quite entertaining. So, um, yeah, let us know what you think about that. But, guys, it all starts with Oakland. Uh, Oakland are kind of all over the place as a team. They uh, they lost to Hartford and Loudoun, but then they turned around and beat Indian Birmingham. So, who knows? Speaking of Birmingham, just to throw this back up on the screen, I'm like, Birmingham's a really good team. They've literally lost their last five. So, Jeez. like, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this past weekend, Oakland drew 2-2 with Phoenix who we beat one nothing uh, last weekend. So just to give you some comparison, there are no former hounds on the team. We always try to take a look at that and see, you know, is anybody going to come and score on us like a former hound? Not the case. Um, we have scored the same number of goals this season. Uh, we, we all have, we both have 20 and they have one more shutout than we do. So if you're trying to like gauge, like, do they score a lot? Do they defend a lot? It's kind of mirror teams here at this point. But they have faced twice as many shots as we have, 58 to our 30, which basically means that their defense is letting almost twice as many shots through. So Yeah, but uh, I wouldn't say we're particularly clinical either. But No, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, we're not clinical in front of the net. Um, but if we're getting twice as many shots, does that vote in our favor? Um, they've completed a 1,000 more passes than us, and they have a passing accuracy that's 81% to our 73 they are three, one, and one at home this season. Uh, you know, they have a three wins and a draw and a loss in the last five games. So I think if you were just purely looking at 
standings you're like oh they're the fifth place team in the west we're the number one place team in the east like we should go and we should get some points off them and it should be fine but when you actually start looking at the stats and breaking it down you realize that numerically we're relatively similar and they've also played one less game than we have so this could be a tricky one um, I think we're we're sort of looking ahead and seeing Louisville and Sacramento and and sort of salivating over that, but we got to get through Oakland first, and this is no gimme. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tricky game. Um, I mean, it, you know, we look at like overall wins on the season and how they look coming away and blah blah blah. Um, our form is really good of late, obviously. Theirs isn't bad either, though. I mean, so they've they've had a they've been in pretty decent form um, lately, so. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's an away game. <laughs> At some point, I you know, the Dequa injury might catch up to us. Um, I mean, yes, we're finding goals elsewhere. Um, but, you know, I checked the USL official stat site. And, you know, Ordonez is still our second leading goal scorer <laughs> with three. <laughs> so, you know, it's – I think this could be a tricky game. So what do we think? Score prediction wise, let's put it all out there. Josh, I'm going to pick on you first. Yeah, I figured you were going to do that. <laughs> so, kind of echoing what Kevin said as far as this is going to be a tricky game. It, I mean, it's California. It's a far, it's a big travel game. Yeah. Might as well be Malaysia. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> so, you sound like, like you're in Malaysia from how far away you're sitting from your mic right now, Kevin. <laughs> Might as well be Malaysia. <laughs> NPR style. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is. I, I'm not. I'm not saying a loss, but I am going to say a draw. Uh, and I also don't. I don't think we're going to have weight for this one. Like I don't know if we know that for sure yet, but I think that's when Gold Cup stuff starts. Yeah. He has been playing well, and like not having him, like that worries me. Like, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to say one one. I was going to go nil nil because I forgot about the whole weight thing. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I'm going to, I'm going to say one, one, um, Kev. I mean, I don't want to say one, one now, but you're going to say how's lost. We already saw it coming. No, 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 no. I, genuinely, <laughs> I, I think, I think it's more likely that we draw than we lose. I think it's more likely that we lose than we win. Um, but I'll say just to be different, I'll say two, two. I don't know where our goals are coming from, but Tula, it's going to be, yeah, Tula time. It's it's, uh... going to get a hat trick in this one. So, and if I'm, (laughs) you know, if I'm wrong and it's one, one, then I'm right both ways. So I don't really care. Um, (laughs) That's what we think. Let us know what you think. uh, I guess, I don't know. Quick, quick question. Do you think Tula starts in this game? I would start him. Uh, Honestly, I mean, I, what Kizza has two goals on the season and they both came in the same game. I just, the assist this weekend was great, but I feel like Tola offers you a little bit more up top. I just feel like making Kizza the lone striker, that's not his strength. I think he has to be playing with somebody else. And um, so in in that regard, you can't just swap him like for like for Dequa. If you have too many players honing in on him, he's not going to get it done. He's, He's more of a sneaky backdoor get there kind of player. Whereas Tola, I think can do the hold up play and, and draw more players into the game with him. I would say start him because he is riding on a high right now. And if you want to build that, you, you have to give him the minutes 
Um, granted that he could be subbed in like he was for this game, uh, this previous game, but it's yeah, start him and see if he can, you know, keep that building. I, 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 I see what you mean, Josh, by the recent form of him, but I will say, um, at least in, in recent memory, he's only started against Phoenix and Columbus. Otherwise, yeah. he's never started a game. So, you know, we'll see. Dequa has not been injured all those games, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, as I, as I was saying, that's what we think. Let us know what you think. Uh, you know, head over to YouTube. Uh, get your comments in in terms of the score predictions. We, those typically go up Friday morning, like 6 a.m., so you can go get your score predictions in, get involved, get be part of Pick'em. It's been fun all season. This was something new that we were doing. And I think the fact that there's actually tickets on the line, which might be really hard to get, is it just makes this a little bit more interesting. So, uh, so yeah, good stuff. Guys, anything else uh, that you wanted to talk about in this one? I'll kind of uh, repeat what I said last week. I, I still think this is probably one of the best times ever to be a hounds fan um I agree with that. and yeah it's it continues after the charleston win so uh yeah i was just gonna uh remind people that the hmm. pride razor for the steel army is still going on um so go you can just go to prideraiser.org and search for steel army or just google pride razor steel army and it shows up right away uh but yeah i think we are now at uh, I'm not even sure what we're at, but we're doing good. I know that much. <laughs> um, I think it's at like 200 per goal at this point. So that's awesome. Yeah. Make that higher. And uh, just remember how many games we have. We have a lot. Yeah. We're at $216 per goal. And so far we have four goals. So 864 nice. raised so far. That's awesome. 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 All right, gentlemen, I think that's it. So thanks everybody. We will uh, talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later.